to the our worship is an expression that no matter what happens our hope is not in the bank account our hope is not in the government our hope is in Jesus Christ that is what relationship is about that's why there's an exuberance and a trust of worship it's not emotion the devil has lied to us and even used other churches and other preachers to to try to discount real worship and real joy and just dismiss it but the reason that I can shout and I can dance and I can I can leap is because my hope is not in anything that I can put my hands on my hope is in him Oh, this world can do what it wants to do. But I'm ready to go. I'm ready to endure. Thank you so much. We're going to go to the word of the Lord in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 6. Thank you for our guests for coming today. We appreciate you being here. Uh, Very quickly, it's been announced that uh, tomorrow evening, Monday, at 6.30 until 8 o'clock is our licensed and prospective ministers class. You know if you're a part of that. Make sure that you bring your binder with you, and we will have new lessons Wednesday. We will be meeting here at the church. We will be downstairs. And what we will teach on Wednesday will link with what is preached today. As we said last week, we have had a lot of babies born in this church over the last couple, three years or so, and uh, four years. And now them babies are coming out of the nursery. And uh, when they turn three years old, there's no place for them during service. And I know that uh, sometimes three years old, they say it's terrible twos. I think it's went to the uh, uh, treacherous threes. But uh, uh, we know that children steal the show. And so uh, what we are asking, we're asking a couple things. First of all, uh, no wa- nothing but water in the sanctuary, uh, only dry snacks, nothing damp. Things have been getting into the carpet and uh, we want to preserve this, so nothing but dry snacks. We're asking if your if your child needs has a he's just you know he's feeling like talking, uh, or she's feeling like I said he, but uh, if they're feeling like just if you need to take them out, take them outside. If they, if you can keep them in the vestibule and kind of keep them keep them uh, wrangled and whatever it is, but if you can take them down to the last classroom on the left hand side. There's a space for you, and we are working with our leadership to develop something for that, so thank you for your patience. Next Sunday will be our next generation service. I'm looking forward to the next generation being a strong part of what's going on in our services, from the teaching, preaching, to the music, and and so on. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm not trying to strike politically today. (laughs) I have a delicate message to preach. I am not trying to strike any political platform. But there are some political issues that are biblical. And we must, we must understand the biblical world view. I have a heavy message today on my heart. And I hope that I can do it justice. Beginning at verse number one. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do in the land that you go to possess. That you might fear the Lord your God to keep all of his statutes and his commandments which I commanded you, you and your son and your son's son, all the days of your life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore Israel, observe to do that it may be well with you, that you may increase mightily. And the Lord God of the, our fathers has promised you 
in the land that flows with milk and honey. Beginning now, verse number four through seven quickly. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently unto your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by your way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. I just want to minister on this subject today. Home sweet home. Home sweet home. I wonder if we just can raise our hands briefly and ask the Lord to help us today. Thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be mindful of your presence today and your spirit. Help me to speak what you would have spoken and to hold behind my lips. Set a watch at my mouth of what you would not have spoken today. Minister to us today, Lord, as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Home, sweet home. Thank you for standing. Thank you for being here today. Approximately the first nine years of our marriage, we lived in a small house in Mount Morris, Michigan. Uh, the majority of that time, Alex and Ross were both there. And, uh, w- but when Madison arrived, we knew that we would, uh, we would need some more room. We'd have to expand a little bit. But there was something about it, you know, when we were moving out, though there was the joy of going forward, so to speak, and into another house, as we were kind of packing up and and looking things over, we would look into a particular area of the home or we'd go out into the backyard, into the woods where the children loved to, loved to do what they did back in there. When we left, the, the emotions and the thoughts and the tears were not about the 800 and, excuse me, the 864 square foot house. You can, get, you can rent hotel rooms that big now. 800, it wasn't the 864 square foot house with no basement, worn out aluminum siding, poorly insulated attic space, and maybe it was a quarter acre of land. It, no, it, it, the emotions and the thoughts and the tears were not about that. It was, but that it was rather about the home that we had made while we were in that house. We started our marriage there and our family there. It was the laughter the crying, it was the victories, and yes, it was even the adversities that brought us together and the struggles that made our family stronger. You can buy a house, you can build a house, but as the old saying goes, and I mean there was a few people who even sang a song, Luther Vandross was one of the, one of the uh, well, most recent from my memory, but that's, that's going back some time. A house doesn't make a home. I want to stop here briefly and just hit this point. This house, what we call the house of the Lord, doesn't make your home. When we arrive back from somewhere for a length of time, even if it's on vacation, we walk in and we do not say, House, sweet house. No, we say home, sweet 
home. Even if coming back from vacation, it's home sweet home. I was meditating uh, a couple of months ago on the many attacks that the spirit of Antichrist has and is launching. The attack on apostolic doctrine. You know, your truth, my truth, somebody else's truth. I said it a moment ago that Pentecostal, Pentecostal is not a denomination. Well, neither is apostolic. Apostolic is not a denomination. Apostolic is the teaching of the apostles in the early church. That's what it is. There's the attack on Jesus' name, baptism, forsaking the name. There's an attack on holiness, and I would say this briefly about holiness. Holiness is not determined by the don'ts. Holiness is determined by the do's. If you get yourself in the presence of God and you get all up in his business, our God is a consuming fire. And you get intimate with him and you get in his presence and you get in that holy fire and the what we need to do in his presence will automatically. Now we still need instruction. We still need word. That's The Bible teaches us that the, the instruction is given to us. We have teachers and preachers, and apostles and prophets which help equip us and, and lead us and, and those particular things. But if you do the do's, It's not defined by the don'ts, it's defined by the do's. You get into his presence in that consuming fire of God and those things which the Lord would have purged out of our lives, he will convict us and he will show us and his word will be spoken to us. And someone said amen. Amen. But more recently, the attacks that are happening in sexuality, gender blending, has become gender erasing. And it is total confusion in our world. But what became so impressed upon my mind was the attack on the home. I quote, of all the social institutions designed by God, I suppose none is under greater attack than the family. This shouldn't surprise us. For destroying relationships is the ultimate scheme of Satan. And it is the home where we find the most intimate relationships. Indeed, it seems that the entirety of the world, the flesh, and the enemy are today aligned against the biblical family. And the family is the heart of a culture. One writer said, if you pierce the family, you pierce It's society. The home is the foundation of the family. The home is the heart of the family. The home is the strength of the family. And the home is the strength of the church. As the home goes, so goes the education system. As the home goes, so goes the government. As the home goes, so goes the world. And yes, as the home goes, So goes the church. See, we, the enemy, is good at deflecting our attention to things that we don't need to have our attention on and taking our attention off of the things that matter supremely to God. 
I realize that the attacks that we are currently under began with seeds that were planted way back in the mid and early 20th century. But I stand in this pulpit today as a pastor of this local flock and possibly even the voice of this community to those that are listening on the radio or are tuned in online. I realize that those seeds were planted way back then, but those seeds have come of age and they are now yielding their evil fruit. A recent article that I read said that marriage is increasingly in disfavor. Hollywood has made having a baby without a husband fashionable. Almost approaching half of babies born in our culture are now born to single women. Welfare welfare policies encourage women to have babies without marriage. And several new tax laws even encourage people not to get married. Movies. Oh. You know, there, there, there's a little bit of a sense that I, I feel here. Does it really matter, Pastor? Do we really, does we really have to take a Sunday up to focus on this? See, therein lies the trap. Therein lies the trap. Let me ask you this. How many of you, you can raise your hand, you want that home sweet home? Marriage in television, music and media all present sex outside of marriage as the preferred normal. Today, the traditional family is almost always presented in a negative light or not presented at all. Pornography is now mainstream and it's distorting and destroying the beauty and intimacy of divine marriage. Yet it is rampant in our society. 90% of young men in the United States watch pornography videos regularly. The U.S. is awash in pornography, and we flood the world with it. Almost 90% of the world's pornography is produced and exported right here from the United States. And this next statement was mind-blowing to me. In a recent survey of students and young people, when they were asked to assess their views of things that were wrong to do, Not recycling was rated as a much greater evil than pornography. The Supreme Court, of course, in 1973 declared it right for a woman to to kill her offspring. And I understand some of the things that have happened over the last uh, year or so about the Supreme Court and doing that. But but you see how things are are, going around and you see the battle that's still happening. But after that decision, nearly 2,000 babies die every day on the altar of personal peace. Feminism, and I say feminism. Feminism is not feminine. It's not what it means to be feminine. Feminism and femininity are not the same. So I am not, I am not, I'm not talking about, let's go back to no voting rights, and that's not, that's not what we're talking about. You know that Jesus Christ was the first person to walk this earth that ever treated a woman equal. Yeah, the woman caught in the act of adultery, where was the, where was the, where was the cowboy that was in it with her? They didn't bring him, but they brought her. 
Jesus treated her like a human being because he died. Now understand, there's always a divine order, and, and that's what we're talking about here. There's a divine order. There's a divine creation. Feminism is destroying, feminism itself destroys both the virtual female, or excuse me, the virtuous female and the noble male. Indeed, the young male in our culture today is overwhelmingly pressed by one mandate. You will be accepted only if you become more feminine in your character, thought, and deed. Your maleness is toxic. It's out of favor, and you will be rejected unless you conform. In fact, it may be accurate to concede that the overall bent of our culture is deeply feministic. And of course, there is a rapid and a penetrating attack on human sexuality, homosexuality, bisexuality, pansexuality, transsexuality. They're all presented to us as normal and even desirable. Not long ago, a large Christian school, and I say Christian school, was asked what the number one issue was that they had to deal with. And the answer was gender identity. Our children are struggling with it because the cultural message that they need to discover their true gender identity is being pounded into them from every media quarter. Remember last week when I told you that only truth could be known. Only truth can be known. Let me tell you something, men. It is a lie to think or to be told that you can become a woman. And if you find, now listen to me. It's, it, it is a lie. It is a, it is a lie. I, and I'm not trying to be political here. I'm just trying to prove a point. So I'm, I'm trying to walk softly here. I recognize the struggle. I recognize the psychological turmoil. But a lot of that is because at home, or a lot of that is because that so much stuff is being piped into their head from a worldview that the biblical view is being drowned out. I'll just say this. Any individual... Who, who desires to what they call transition. I'm not attacking them. Hear me right now. It is a lie. Only truth can be known because only truth is real. Lies cannot be known because they don't exist. They are fabricated. That is why individuals who seek to transition and get over to what's called the other side, they can never have completeness because they followed a lie that cannot be known. They can't know it. And when they get there and they look, everything that they gave up, everything that happened, and now you're seeing this total, this, 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 this pumping of the brakes. But gender identity was the number one issue in a large Christian school. We had one young man, I was, it was told to me today, a young man, while COVID was going on, in this church they had an assignment where they made a video of themselves, introducing themselves, and then told them, and they needed to tell the teacher in the video what their preferred pronouns were. And the young man in this church came to his mother and had to have the lesson explained to him. What is she talking about? What do you mean my preferred pronouns? And they had to explain, well, now today, it's, you know, they're saying you could be this, and he's going, What? Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, excuse me, of the jury, we cannot be fooled. The attacks of the enemy are constant. Hear me, they're like a smoke, an evil smoke that slips under our doors. And it penetrates everything 
everywhere. But fear not. Fear not. The clear instruction and the blessings of God's design still remain. Can somebody say amen? They have been declared. They have been preached. They have been believed on for going on 3,500 years. Deuteronomy 6 in our scriptures today, the word is hear, O Israel. That word in the, in the Hebrew is shema. It does not just mean open up your ears. It is a dual meaning. It means hear and obey. It is not just hearing, it's listening, it's doing. We can't be just a hearer of the word, we must be a doer. So Shema means hear and obey. What he's getting ready to tell them are intentional, authoritative words from the Almighty God that are to be directed, that he is directed to be carried out in our homes. You know, another great dilemma of the modern church is that we have come to expect and rely on the local church to do what God designed as the responsibility of the home. A home, sweet home, will not be found if we rely on the church to do in this building what God said must be done in our homes. Religion is trying program after program after program. I don't need to give you a long history lesson here, but if you study Sunday school, Sunday school was not built. They did not start Sunday school for the church. They started Sunday school for the children whose parents were unsaved and they were not getting biblical teaching at home and they started teaching them in the church. It's only then, oh, pastor's going to get mean. It's only from that point where, that was a great idea, nothing wrong with that, but then all of a sudden us Christian parents got lazy and instead of doing it in our own home, then we decide to bring it into the church and say the church needs to do it. And then when student service isn't going their way or they don't think they're getting deep enough revelation there or they don't think that the teachers are doing a good enough job, they damn and condemn everything that they don't like in the church. See, folks, it's not rocket science. It's either obeying the word of the Lord or we're going to have troubles. It is amazing to me. In all of my life, I've watched, growing up in church, I have watched how people blame the church because the church didn't teach them right in Sunday school. I found out in student service all they did was play kickball, bless God. Really, what did you teach your child from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? What kind of Bible study did you have in your home? You see, my point is, is that when we don't do what we are supposed to do, we get lazy and we start expecting other people to do what we're supposed to do. Then we become excuse givers and we look to place blame. I'm here to tell you something. Hear me. If you don't hear anything else I say today, our worst enemy is not a third-party fallen angel that was cast out of heaven. You already heard the word. He's already been, he, he, he's seen him fall as lightning. You have power over all of his power. Your biggest issue is that individual that you look in the mirror every morning when you wake up and go to work. I am the person I hate the most. Well, that, I, I went to meddling there. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm really not. And I'm not an expert. I only endeavor to look at the word of God and endeavor to make that that in my life. But when it is blatant that I'm against the word of God, I cannot expect the blessing of God. 
The local church, hear me, the local church, we can have great leadership teams to build great ministries. And I do not. I'll tell you this to our Sunday school teachers. Yes, if you're going to teach a Sunday school class and you show up on Sunday and say, oh, I think I'll look at the lesson now, do yourself and everybody a favor and resign. Or kick your, I guess so, kick yourself in the seat or give yourself some leather goods. I call that a belt in the mouth and a boot in the rear. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to, I'm please, please, if this is uh, distasteful, I'm sorry. But listen, but, but at the same time, it is not our responsibility to make sure the children get what they're not getting at home. Unless that child does not have a believing parent in the home, then we teach them the word of God. But hear me, parents, and hear me, teachers, we need to work together. The Sunday school department needs to affirm what we're teaching in our home. And what we're teaching in our home needs to be in unity with what we're teaching at the church. I'm talking about home, sweet home. I'm talking about pulling off the covers of why we have so much hell in our homes in this world. And it's not because of a world program fell apart. God has never needed a world program. He's got the program. He is the program. Oh, my, 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 my. We can have great leadership teams, and we can build great ministries, and I think our student ministries, and I think they ought to be praying. I think they ought to be fasting. I think they ought to be, when they come in here, I think they ought to have something from God, and I think they ought to have a move of the Spirit. I think they ought to have unity. I think they ought to build relationships. We can preach the Word. We can teach the world. We can word. We can sing, and we can play, and I'm so glad for those that do because I'm not so great at it. I love to do it, but I can't do it like I would love to, and we can do all of that in the house of God, but hear me, but only you and I can sow what happens in the house of God into the fabric of our homes. We can do all of that in the house of God, but only you and I can sew it into the fabric of our home. I'll give you an example. Jesus is invited to dinner at a Pharisee's house. The Pharisee in Luke 7 one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him and he went into the Pharisee's house and he sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city that was a sinner when she knew Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kiss his feet and anointed them with ointment. Has anybody ever walked into a house of an individual who was committed to Christ? I mean, you knew they were committed. They had fruits on the tree. And when you walked into their house, there was something different about the, the aura, the, the spirit that was in that home. Oh, I have. Oh, I have. You see, we bring them to the house of the Lord, but I'm here to tell you something right now. Keep living the right life. You are an epistle known and read of all men. You keep doing it God's way, and you won't have to bring them to this house. They'll come over to your house, and they'll say, there's been something about your life, and now I'm here, and I, know there's, I don't know what it is. You need to tell me about it. And it's our home. She comes to sit, comes to a place where the Pharisee's house and you know the story. Jesus 
responded, and Jesus said this. He said, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. You gave me no kiss. And my head with oil, you did not anoint. All of those things were customary to do to a guest that came into your home. This Pharisee was so undecided about Christ, and he was such in the middle that he did not give Christ the simple, at least it's not jailhouse rock. Go ahead, answer. Go ahead, take it. That's okay. It happens. But we're going to set whoever that was behind the third pole and just, just kidding. I don't even know who it was, so I don't want to know. But he wouldn't even give to Jesus what is customary to give to just any other guest that would come into his home. Water to wash his feet. Didn't even give him the water to wash his feet. Wouldn't give him, wouldn't even greet him with a kiss and wouldn't even anoint his head. Anointing his head is kind of like what we did. Oil for anointing his head is like we would say, hey, you can wash your face here. You know, give him a washcloth, something to wash up. Didn't even give him that. You know why? Because the Pharisee was wavering in his estimation of Jesus Christ. He was wavering. He was a Pharisee. He was rich. He was a Pharisee. He was, he was of the people who Jesus didn't have, a real, didn't have a real good rapport with. You see, Jesus was defamed in the media. That's the Pharisees and the scribes. He was defamed there. But then that Pharisee and the others say, but there was, there was an authority about this guy. He was wavering. He was so undecided about the word in living form that he didn't even give Jesus the, the courtesy of everything else that came into his house. <laughs> yeah, I, I look at you know, the unwavering, the estimation of Jesus Christ. He was wavering in it. He was uncommitted. He was noncommittal. He was blasted in the media, you know, kind of like the UPC, the Pentecostal church. You know, you look it up. You know, you, you want dirt on something, you, you go, you find it anywhere nowadays. And uh, you can go ahead and believe any dirt that you want. But I'm here to tell you something. It's, it's, it's a time we no longer waver. The most distraught and spiritually bound homes and families are those that have sat in spirit-filled churches only to return home wavering, even sometimes undermining God's instructions. James said, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea. You're going to be driven and tossed by the wind. And a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. If it's going to be home sweet home, the home cannot send a different message than what's proclaimed by the church. And let me say this, if you cannot agree with what's being proclaimed by the church, do yourself a favor and find someone that'll itch your ears. If the church isn't preaching the truth, get out of there. If the church is trying to compromise on biblical principles, get up, get up on out of there. Does it matter, pastor? Yes, it matters. Because there's only one truth. And the apostle said, if someone comes to you preaching something else, even if it's an angel from heaven, he's accursed. Bid him not into your home and don't bid him God's speed. It matters. 
Our home is where we establish ourselves in doctrine. It's where we settle the issues of holiness unto the Lord. Our home is where we anchor ourselves in his will. I'm beginning my initial descent into the airport. Turn on the fasten seatbelt sign, tray tables, electronic devices, put them away. In Samuel 17, a very familiar passage of Scripture, the Philistines were gathered together with their armies to battle. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they pitched by the valley of Elah. And they sat the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on one side of the mountain. Israel stood on the other side. There was a valley between them, the valley of Elah. I've been there. Some of the others who went to Israel have been there. I went and even took me some, some rocks from the valley of Elah. But the, the, the stream was too far away. That was, they wouldn't let us go that far off the reservation to get some of the smooth ones. So I got some not-so-smooth ones. There went out a champion of the camp of the Philistines. His name was Goliath. He stood there. And cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you set the battle in array? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for you and let him come down to me. And if he be able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and you'll serve us. And the Philistines said, Goliath said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. We find from this particular passage of Scripture there was a specific place. It was going to be hand-to-hand combat. And somebody was going to have to act. The place was Elah. You see, you could not fight Goliath where David was in the sheepfold. You couldn't fight him somewhere else in Bethlehem. You couldn't fight him in Jerusalem because that's not where he was. He was in this particular valley of Elah. I want to tell everybody under the sound of my voice, we need to go where the battle is. We need to go where the battle is. Huh. We need to go where the enemy is boasting of his victories. We need to go where he's breathing his threats. You know, we're really only at the church house about three to six hours, depending on how committed you are. We're only here about three to, or your availability. I don't want to be too mean today. That's wherever you fit, just place it and we'll move on. But about three to six hours, you got a service that lasts about an hour and a half. You got about an hour at prayer meeting. You got some, some of the students here on Friday, they're here a little bit longer, hooping it up, having fun. And uh, all that good stuff. But about three to six hours a week, we're in this place. Would you dare to say that in this place, we get a little bit of done, but the rubber's not meeting the road here in this place. Home is where we parent. Home is where we do marriage. Home is where we live. Home is where we rest. Our home is in the enemy's crosshairs. Home may be where the tempter tempts us and meets us the most because at home is where he has the most opportunity for those inroads, entertainment, internet, social media. He doesn't have those inroads while we're sitting here right now, but he's got them when you leave this place and you get to get home. I don't think there's been anybody sitting here and this is not, a, this is not an indictment unless it's a problem. If it is, then, then deal with it. 
But I didn't see anybody. I don't think there's anybody in here been on Facebook for 30 minutes since I started preaching. But I wonder, have we ever been on Facebook for 30 minutes? But you know a way to check on that? It's in your phone. It's under all this other stuff. You can check your screen time. Be scared to death if you're going to do it. Be ready. But it's a telling tale. I would almost challenge us to do it today. But, you know, it's, it just started at midnight. We ain't been on that long. Maybe we should try it, you know, Thursday about 7 o'clock at night. Our home is the battleground. I would argue today, as I'm bringing this into a close, I would argue today that home is where we need our miracles. I would argue that at home is where we need an answer to prayer. I would argue that home is where we need demonstration of spirit and power. You see, Elah in the Hebrew means the place of an oak or the strength of the oak. Everything in the word of God is there for a reason. Goliath was in the valley of strength, proclaiming that he was the strong one. I am telling us that I believe the home must. Not only does it need to, but I believe our homes need to, and they must become, once again, the stronghold of the Lord. We need to march back into that place where that Goliath is. And we need to meet him where he's breathing his threats. We meet him. I know, I know, I'm, I know, I'm, I know I'm ministering here, so I'm going to take a moment. We know when we come here, we get some strength. He, he'll battle us here. But you know that when you leave here, there are some of us that have fell to a besetting sin for so long that you know the routine, then you leave here today. We know the routine because we're human. And, and, and routine and repetition and, and habit is, is the way we, we do things. We understand that. You know what we need to do when we leave this place today? We need to go to where that battle is. Now, I'm not telling you not to get something here. We need to get something when we're together. We gain strength from one another. But I think we need to go to where the battle is. I think some of us may need to go and step in front of our computers where we've been falling and have ourselves a prayer meeting. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And don't do it, don't do it out of just repetition. Don't do it just out, but just simply say, Lord, I'm meeting, this, I'm meeting this battle where it's at. And I am telling this, I'm telling this thing that's been breathing threats against my family. I tell you what, if, 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 if the enemy's been breathing threats against your marriage, you know what you ought to do? Grab your husband and your wife and say, we're going to meet this devil right where he's been breathing at us. Now, we may come to this. Now, listen, we may come to this altar and pray, but you know where the real battle is. That real battle is in that place where you argue. It's in that kitchen. It's in that room at the home. That's where the, maybe we go there and we say, I, I feel him in the church when we're all together, but we're going to take this thing home and we're going to go to our home and we're going to take back our home in the name of Jesus Christ and we're going to make it a home sweet home. I hope this has been all right today. The Lord laid it on my heart a couple of months ago. I shared it with a couple of our brethren and it's been passionate in my heart ever since that day. I, something gets in my spirit. Sometimes I'll just let it go for a while to see if it's got any legs. If it's got legs, then it must be the Lord. If it don't, then it was me, just meant for me. But I think this thing's got some serious legs today. The home needs to become the stronghold of the Lord. The, strong, the, the home needs to, we need to go to the Valley of Elah, the place where that strength of the enemy seems that he is. He's just breathing out threats. And we need to go there and establish apostolic doctrines in our home 
settle the issues of holiness in our home. Anchor ourselves in his will in our home. If you will do it in your home, you will not have to be concerned about what happens when you come here. What happens here is a byproduct of our home. Oh, hallelujah. Finishing. It's going to be, it's going to be hand-to-hand combat. Goliath isn't, isn't challenging to take on the whole church. He told him, he said, you got your battle set in array. You got the ranks laid out. He said, but we're not going to do this. We're not just going to go army against army. I'm a Philistine, and if you're a servant of Saul, I mean, you made the man king. If you, if, he, if you made him king, then he must be something. Send him down here. Saul wasn't going. Neither was anybody else because, hear me, because they weren't going to do it man on man. I know that there is strength in the body, and we are not an island to ourselves. But hear me, pastor's not with you 24 hours a day. But there is one who is. That is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is the word of God, and that is you. That is you. You're the common denominator. I I like it. This, This is pretty good. You know, wherever you go, there you are. I don't like this company I'm working for because blah, blah, blah. I don't like to take orders. And you go get another job, wherever you go, there you are. (laughs) I don't know. That might have flopped. But Goliath is not challenging the church as a body. He is saying, send me a man. Send me an individual. I know y'all got it in the ranks, but I'm not fighting the ranks. I'm looking for an individual. I am fighting individuals. He's challenging individual lives today. He's challenging individual families, and he's challenging individual homes. Finally, and lastly but not least, somebody has to act. David shows up and he says, is there not a cause? Is it not obvious what's happening here? Oh, you don't know what you're talking about, David. Hear me, when you take a stand against this stuff, there's gonna be somebody telling you, you don't know what you're talking about. You're gonna hurt our children if you do that. It's not gonna be right. I gotta stand in this pulpit and tell you, if you do it with love, speak the truth in love. And if you'll follow the word of God in love and an example, you cannot go wrong. You can't go wrong. Somebody's got to recognize what David said. You're proclaiming your strength here, but I'm standing before you to declare that when this thing is over, when the sun sets this day, God will be the strength in this valley again. I'm here to stand to tell you, I believe in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to go into my own home, and I want to declare to the enemy that God is going to be the strength of this marriage. God is going to once again be the strength of this family. God once again is going to be the strength of this home. Our world is in a crisis. Families are in crisis. The demand of changing values has descended upon the home today in America. Family commitment is more unthinkable, and the stable family relationships are becoming more impossible. The home is under attack. Are you praying for your wife? Are you praying for your husband? Are you praying for your mother and for your father and for your children? And if you're single adult or if you're a widow, are you praying for yourself? Are you praying for your home? I've got a question today. Is your home? worth fighting for 
Stand with me. Pastor, can't, I, can't, I can't seem to get past that under that 40-minute mark. Setting my watch up here. Maybe I need to have you tell me, set me on a time limit, one of these saying, say, listen, you got 35 minutes. Not going to happen. Yeah, that's all right. Maybe I'll call, maybe I'll call Pastor Bertram and ask him, say, hey, bro, can you do something, help keep me in check. Let's talk about application before we leave this building today. I have prayed about it and thought about it, and we have decided that the month, that this month, that March coming up will be a month of family focus. The entire month of March, every Monday evening, prayer meeting, we're going to ask you to gather in your home. 7 p.m., set your clocks I know the people who are available to come to prayer meeting and now some work. I understand those things. Listen, I'm not going to try to keep track of those things. I'm, I'm not going to do that except in the areas where uh, it is being inspected for evaluation because you've got a higher calling and a higher purpose on your life. But I'm not going to do that across the board. But I'm going to ask you to gather in your homes every Monday evening at 7 p.m. Get the word out. You got to play your iTunes and get yourself some good worship music. Maybe listen to a song or so and, and worship the Lord together in your home and begin to pray. Our students today started what's called the core curriculum, which lays out the, the biblical basis, the core foundations of doctrine in the Word of God. If you're in a junior high or senior high and you or your student, we're asking you to take that book home with you every week. You can start tomorrow evening if you like, 7 p.m. if you're not a part of the licensed ministry. And then after that, everybody will be involved. Take that book, sit down with your children, maybe talk just for a little bit about the lesson that they went through. But sit down and begin to really pray with one another. You know, sometimes we don't, we're afraid to pray with our wife because she knows our faults get down here and I can lay my hands on and I can just begin to pray for you guys and pray with authority because you don't know. You don't know me like that one knows me. I know you probably think I fold my own laundry and I don't never leave my socks anywhere and I don't never never get grumpy and I don't never get short. Think I don't never. But she knows. It's a lot. Can I be real? It's a lot harder to get out and say, oh God, bless her right now in Jesus name I'm feeling the power of your spirit because we had that argument a little earlier in the day and it doesn't give me the confidence to pray this is real world that's where the battle is ladies and gentlemen but I want to encourage our spouses to, to forgive one another and have grace with one another and come together and say and you know what and when you're praying I'm not praying on my own merits I'm not praying with my authority. I'm not praying because I dotted all the I's and I crossed all the T's. I'm coming together as a husband saying, Lord, I so much need your help to be the man that I'm supposed to be. I need you to lead my, I need you that I might lead my home. And I know I've made some mistakes. And if you've got to admit some things to your husband or to your spouse, then you need to sit down with them and admit some things and say, i I, well, I got to clean this up. This has to change. And two are better than one. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. 
Better is a man when he has two, for if he falls, the other will help him up. Pray with your children, not just going through the motions. It's one thing for me to lay hands on a sister and pray that everything, I pray that everything that the Lord has spoken concerning you would be established. I pray everything that he has authored about your life will be done. I pray that you bring him glory. I pray that there is a spirit of hunger for him that enters your life that you will never give him up, that you will never compromise, that you will believe everything that the Lord said about you, that you will not be taken in by a lie. It's one thing for me to pray that, it, but it's another thing, Dad, for you to lay your hands on her and and begin to pray and mom to pray those same things oh but I don't have the words but he knows how to help us he knows how to lead us even if it's a dad that says I know I may not have been the man of prayer that I should be but I want to be better can I pray for you daughter oh I want you to bless my daughter I want you to help my daughter I want my daughter to be grounded in truth ladies and gentlemen of the jury I would argue that it's at home where the battle needs to be fought the greatest Listen, we got to have real, real application. We can't just be moved by a message. We got to apply it. Evaluate what has unbiblical influence in your home, in our homes, and eliminate it. Eliminate it. Young man, if you've got issues with pornography, and might I just say Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition is pornography, that's how it starts. The little immodesties, the little things, and then it breeds and goes from there. Parents, safeguard. Install safeguards. Install app blockers on all those smart devices. Hope you gentlemen forgive me and you young ladies forgive me. Parents, do not trust them. There are things attacking them they do not have the maturity to handle. Don't be so naive to think that your child, because he looks the part and acts the part, isn't being taken by these things. We cannot, be at, we cannot be reactive. We must be proactive. Young man, wherever I have failed in my home, I'm standing in this pulpit today that by the grace of God, I'm going into that home. And I'm going to declare the Lord's work there. I'm going to declare the Lord's work in that area. I want my wife to come home and say, home sweet home. Not, oh my goodness, my husband just walked in. I want my children to say, home sweet home. Because home is the strength of the family. It's the heart of the family. I want to pray. I pray for healthy relationships all over this building. I pray that we will do what we need to do. You can get covenant eyes. Get your computer accountability. There's covenant eyes. There's ever accountable. There's bark. There's several things you can do. The world's most valuable resource, the home, is under nuclear attack. And if Satan has his way, there will be nothing recognizable about the biblical home when he's done. I don't want a religious home. I want a biblical home. And I'll say this as I finish. I know the enemy has told some of us it's too far gone and we can never get it back. 
There might be some things you don't get back with their consequences for our actions, but I am here to tell you, you can put the brakes on right now and you can say, Lord, can you redeem whatever's whatever's left? Whatever can be redeemed, I want you. There, somebody needs to hear this. There is no chasm. There is no gulf too great that God cannot make up. But here's what it'll take. It'll take total surrender on your part to close the distance. If you don't surrender, the distance cannot be made. I wonder if we can just bombard an altar somewhere, whether it's here, whether it's in our seat. If we can just begin to bombard an altar about our homes. If we can just bring this before God right now. There is no gulf that's too great. If your husband and your wife is here and you want to come and pray together, you come and pray together. If you've got your family, if you're single or if you're a widow, we want you to come up here and we will pray with you. We're going to pray that you'll take this home with you. Listen, you cannot do for yourself what God can do for you. God can make this work in you, but he takes a surrendered heart. Is your home worth fighting for? Is your life worth fighting for? Is it worth fighting for? Father, I am. I pray, Father. Lord, we need your help. Home is where the battle is. Our house doesn't make a home. And Lord, your house, this place, this place where we gather together, it doesn't make my home. Only I can sew it into the fabric of my life. Only I can sew it into the fabric of my children. Satan has had his hands on our families. He's put his hands on our children. Listen, do not believe that it's too far gone. The only way that you're in trouble today is if you decide to try to do this thing other than God's way. If you won't surrender to God's way, then you are in great trouble. You are in great trouble. It's the same lie that happened in the garden. Man's got a better way. No, we don't. No, we don't. It's at home. We're going to turn this month into a home, into, into a month where we focus on our home. But we're going to make determined that we're not going to fight the pastor. We're not going to fight the word of God. We're not going to fight what God says is biblical salvation. We're not going to fight.